right, peeps, welcome to episode 12 of Beef's Beef. Uh, we got a couple good things on the docket today, mainly the Louisville, Kentucky basketball game coming up Friday. Uh, first thing I want to start out with uh, this episode, just like the rest of them of this year, is brought to you by Big Fireworks in Clarksville, Indiana. Uh, everything in the store is 50% off. And like I've said every episode, but still, if you haven't listened to it, I want to make sure you know fireworks are legal to light in southern indiana and the louisville area during new year's so get over there see them in clarksville right off 65 right there by golden corral across from logan's so also follow their facebook page big fireworks clarksville uh with me today i have another special guest mr tony robinson what's up so have rode over here been talking for a while i mean he's one of the people that said i needed to do a podcast so he could get on it so I told him, I said, man, what better what better way to do it than to talk about the Louisville-Kentucky game? So, like I said, we're going to be talking about this game. Uh, Tony, a couple things that you know I noticed when I was looking this up. One, one big thing is this is the first time since 2014 that both teams haven't been ranked. The game in 2014 was actually the worst game that I've ever been to, was the Sweet 16 game in Indianapolis because yeah. Kentucky was not ranked. And we were, and then this one, we're not ranked, and they are. So it's it's weird because I, we both said that we both think that we we should we should be ranked. I know we're on the fringe. We've got twenty six votes to be in the AP poll, but it's whatever. I understand it's still early in the season. If we're not ranked at the end of the season, that's when I'll be kind of worried. Yeah, I mean we haven't helped ourselves at all. Anyways, every time we look like we're getting our stuff together, we fall back. Take. One step forward, 12 back. So, I mean, we're shooting ourselves in the foot more than anything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking at the strengths of schedules as we were, because we look at our records, Louisville's 10 and 2, Kentucky's 9 and 2. Uh, you brought up the stat that UK's schedule is actually 129 spots ahead of ours. Ours is 245, UK's is 116. And we went through the schedules. I mean, we played Purdue on the road. We played Seton Hall at home. That's I believe is I believe Purdue is still ranked. Uh, Seton Hall is still ranked because they end up getting another win after losing to a terrible team. Yeah, neither, which kept them into. Neither were ranked when we played them, but they were both. I think Purdue was twenty eighth and uh, Seton Hall was twenty sixth at the time. So it wasn't like they were far out. And and the thing is, is Purdue is was on the road at Purdue. Right. And it looks like here you pulled it up, it looks like they're 14. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the thing, the big thing is, is neither one of us have a quality win. I mean, Kentucky's quality win is Virginia Tech. Ours is, what, Albany, Siena, something like that. With, Indiana would probably you know, be Memphis, the best, Memphis or Memphis yeah. or Indiana, yeah. But, I mean, neither one of us have a real, like, surefire win. Actually, listen on the radio on the way over here. They said that our best win was Indiana, and I think they're like 89th in the Ken Palm. And then theirs is Virginia Tech, and I think Virginia Tech was 35. So, I, like, I, like I was just saying, I do like Virginia Tech because, uh, they, I mean, they can score. They'll put pressure on you till the end of the game on the offensive end. But going over the stats, what's what's the biggest thing, just when you first thing you glanced at them, what's the biggest thing that, that stood out as maybe that's going to be a difference maker? Honestly, the biggest thing to me was how evenly matched we are at just about every statistical category with the exception of field goal percentage. Um, and block shots. Yeah. Uh, 
I was surprised that we're be, we're ahead of them in the rebounding category. Now I know they played a stronger schedule, um, but rebounding has been our probably top two, three biggest weakness this season. Yeah, rebounding and turnovers for sure. Yeah, I, that, to me, I mean, when you're playing teams like Nebraska, Omaha, and getting out rebounded, I mean, we have we have probably one of the outside of Purdue, we probably have one of the biggest starting front lines in college basketball with length and height wise. I mean, you have Ray Spalding who's six ten, and you have Honest Mahmood who's seven foot seven one, and Ray Spalding's got a wingspan of what seven? What do they say? Seven two, seven three, something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's why our block shots are so are so high. But I don't know. It it worries me. I've I've told you, and we've actually talked about it that maybe our maybe the reason we lead in block shots is because of our our guard our guards just don't guard well, which is something that kind of worries me in this game because if you let Quade Green get loose and give them open shots, it's, it's all it's going to take is one for them to, to get going. And that's we, – we need – we're going to need a big game from our guards on the on the perimeter. So, you, you said you thought we were evenly matched, which I, I totally agree. I mean, our both our leading scorers, Knox 15.7. Dang is 15.6. Their second leading score is Diallo, 15.5. Ours is Q at 12.3. And then theirs is Quade Green, 10.2. And then Ray Spalding at 10.8. But something that I kind of noticed was in their two their two losses, which was Kansas and UCLA, I, I noticed that outside of their top two scorers, everyone else has trouble scoring, especially Kansas. If you look at the Kansas game, it was literally Kevin Knox and Amadou Diallo. The next leading scorer had six points. Yeah, and that <clears throat> honestly that surprises me from uh, Gilgis Alexander because we saw him at the Derby City Classic, and that kid, I mean, it was a Derby City Classic, but he was yeah. putting on an offensive show. And now, so far in college, he's been known more as a defensive guard. Yeah, I mean he he uh, he's actually their leading assist person too. Yeah, he actually has been where we saw him. He was literally. Get my bucket. I'm not passing the ball. Now it's like I'm getting everybody else the ball. I mean, he's still averaging 9.6 points a game. He's averaging. He's actually averaging four more minutes a game than Quade Green is, who's the starter. And I don't, I don't know. It's Gilgis. I don't. I don't. I don't really know how he fits in. I feel like he's kind of he's kind of a, a tweener for me for, as a point guard and a shooting guard from what we saw at the Derby game and some of the games that I have kind of watched for him. But, I mean, his stats show otherwise. But I, I don't know. I, to me, I feel like he's going to play better if he's a two or an off ball and have Quaddy Green run the offense. I agree. Honestly, I think he's the guy we got to watch out for on Friday. I think he's the one who can come out, surprise us, and really put up numbers on us uh, if we're not ready for him. He definitely seems like he's he's like their Darius Perry where he plays off of emotion a lot, where he gets a bucket, he's getting into you. He gets a stop. He's getting into you, and that's just going to snowball. So, I mean, especially in this game right here, you think of just the past games where players that shouldn't kill us have. You know, you have Josh Harrelson. Josh Harrelson. And, I mean, I know I'm, uh, the guard that was from Kentucky uh, that just was a senior last year um, or two years ago was his name. Damian – or not Damian. Uh, it it didn't start with a D. I know who you're, you're talking about. The guard – he killed us. He yeah. had, what, four threes in the game? It was Damian Lee's senior year. Uh, or Damian Lee's year here. So, that's that's a big thing that 
we can't let we can't let stuff like that happen. I mean, we've had games like that too. I mean, mostly it's in football for us though, where we have our quarterbacks come <laughs> off the bench and do that to them. It seems like their player that shouldn't step up and do something is in basketball. But one thing I did forget to mention uh, when we were talking about doing this, I asked uh, you asked me if we were going to do a top five, and uh, I said, "Yeah, man, what do you want? You want to do a top five? And you said, "Yeah." I said, "All right." Well, since you want to do a top five, I'll let you pick what we're going to do. And you're like, all right, cool. That's that's fine with me. And then, so what was the what was it you came up with? Figured we'd do a top five, our favorite Louisville basketball players. It's not the best Louisville basketball players. It's just who was favorite to us. Which I'm totally fine with that because uh, I'm going to re-record an episode that I did the other day that... I didn't realize the mic. My mic wasn't on, so it didn't pick up any of it. And that in that one, I named my favorite Kentucky players, which a lot of people were like, "I can't believe you can name five players that you like from Kentucky." But John Wall, and then the list ends. John Wall, and then the list ends. No, so well, just like all of my other lists, I always have my honorable mentions because it's always tough for me to narrow it down. And these guys just missed the list, so. I'll give you my, what I'll do is I'll give you my uh, five honorable mentions, and then I'll let you do your honorable mentions, and then you name your number five, and I'll name my number five. All right. So my my honorable mentions, Taekwon Dean, which I know a lot of people love. Uh, one that might surprise you is Samardo Samuels. I love some. I love Samardo Samuels. I, he was quiet, Duke and ball, had a couple good years in the NBA, or decent years in the NBA, and now he's playing overseas. Another one which is just absolutely on fire right now, and I it was tough for me not to put him on my top five is Donovan Mitchell. That kid's a stud. And and the other one which we both agreed that we couldn't put in our top five because he was only here for one year, but I've never seen someone other than, like in this area I guess you would say someone like Anthony Davis maybe that got that much love at they played there one year is Damian Lee yeah. for me. Yeah, and that that's that's my that's my five honorable mention ones. So, what's your honorable mention? Then throw your number five. My honorable mentions are. You know, I start with Luke Hancock, and it's hard for me to not put him in my top five, seeing as he won us a national championship. Yeah, but he was here two years, and there's people who <clears throat> guys who've been here a little longer that I just couldn't bump out. Uh, Gorgie Jang, Kyle Kurt, pretty much anyone who's put on a Louisville uniform, with the exception of Andre McGee. <laughs> yeah, that dude's a bum. It, and Brad Giannini. But. No, no, well, no, Brad Giannini. NBA, March Madness, killed his clutch on free throws. <laughs> so, who's, is that your, all of your honorable mentions? That's my honorable mentions. Okay, so who's my, your who's your number five? My number five, I kind of cheated here. I got two. I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to so, put. Such a cop-out. Such a cop-out. That's, that's all right. Let's see, that's, that's the good thing about having these top fives is you have to cut somebody out. You have to. I did. Luke Hancock, Juan Palacios, Gorgie, Carroll. No, I mean... Andre McGee. I'm going to put you on the spot here. you got to pick one of these from the five and then move the other one to the honorable mention. All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to put Preston Knowles in my honorable mention. Which is a solid I, one. I, I, mean, he was, I love that kid. He, that team that lost to Moorhead was probably one of my favorite Louisville teams. Which is, he hadn't broken his foot. We would never even have talked no. about that upset. Yeah. Even though, I mean, we saw that team two years earlier, or it might have been three years earlier when Terrace Williams was there. And we played against that team twice and beat the brakes off of them with Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, I was, Fareed was on that team, right? Fareed, Where was, on the, foot? Fareed was on that. Was, was a senior up. on that team. So who who is your so number five? My top five. My number five. I've got Reese Gaines. Reese Gaines, one of my 
actually a part of one of my favorite games I ever watched, and you see a lot of people sharing it here in the past couple of days, was that Tennessee comeback. Right, and that's the first that, thing you think of. Oh, for sure. Is is that is that game, and solid pick. I loved Reese Gaines. I had a Reese Gaines jersey whenever he was in college that I actually got from East Bay for Christmas. I did not have any games. <clears throat> but with that, I will go to my number five. And I'm honestly surprised that you didn't even at least have him on your honorable mention because I know you loved him too. My number five is Mr. I'm going to rip the goal off every time I dunk, Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, to me, was everything that I want our big men to be now. Not soft. I agree 100%. And he's in my honorable mentions. Like I said, everyone who's put on a jersey minus McGee. (laughs) I couldn't name them all. I couldn't name them all. But my thing was with him, I loved him. He was great. I didn't want too much recency bias because you'll see in my list a lot of them are relatively newer players. Yeah. But I really don't feel like he developed much. And don't get me wrong, I loved watching him play. But he never got that shot. It was dunk or, I mean, rebound. And I'm not knocking him. I love the guy. But I just couldn't put him on top five. That's understandable. That's understandable. So we'll go back into talking about the game. I just, I couldn't... I couldn't go there, or I couldn't start to try to tell you. I totally forgot to bring up the top five that we said we were going to talk about. So I, I wrote down some stats from uh, from their website, just you know, kind of looking at their points per game, their opponents' points per game, and stuff. And it, it I compared it to to some of ours, and something that I noticed that both teams struggle with terribly bad is turnovers. I feel like we have gotten better. Over the past couple of games, and I'll mention that here in a, here in a little bit, off of why I think that you know we've kind of gotten better with it because really our two biggest culprits were Dingadell and Quinn Snyder. It's still Dingadell still turns the ball over. It's because he holds it for too long. He doesn't. He he is not a good decision maker. He's so not, we we the thing with Dingadell is he can get to the bucket, but a lot of times going along with what you're saying, we need to get him the ball when he's going downhill where he's making a move pretty much already he doesn't really have to make that big of a decision. Exactly. I think if there's anything the coaching staff is putting in Dingadell's ear, it's more is not always better. If he could keep it simple and not just try to overdo every little move he makes. Yeah. I mean, there's he, he could be I mean, he could be so good. I mean, he averages as a as an off guard, he averages 2.2 turnovers a game. And to me, I'm honestly surprised that it's that low. Because I feel like every game he's got three or four plays where he's dribbling it off his foot and it's going to the other team or where he's leaving his feet and he's throwing it to the other team. And I don't want it to always sound like I'm always harping on him because I like I like him. I don't, there's no one on this team that I dislike. But he frustrates me more than anybody else on this team. I agree 100%. Because just like you said, the ball sits. It, the ball doesn't move. It's on to me. It's almost like he just doesn't have that court vision. He'll drive into three or four guys and no idea what to do with it. Yeah. So we we go into this game. I, I like I said, our, our top scores are pretty much around the same. They average eighty points a game, eighty point seven. We average seventy nine points a game. They they average only giving up seventy point five points a game. They they shoot forty nine. Forty nine point five percent, and average giving up forty point five. And see, that's I, I feel like that's I don't know, man. I get you said that you found somewhere that this may be his longest team. 
I guess I can kind of maybe see that now that I think about it because a lot of his teams outside of that, this is his longest team since the... 38-1. Yeah, 38-1 team. And so did it say since that team or other than that team? It said other than that team, which I can't see that either with see, I, that I Davis can. team. That championship team you don't think was longer? No, because you got to think their four in that team was uh, what Terrence Jones. Mm-hmm. Terrence Jones was 6'9". His arms weren't really that long. Kid Gokris was long. Then you had Deron Lamb and Marcus Teague, who weren't really long. So, Darius Miller also. Darius Miller came off the bench. So, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I look at the, I look at the size on this team. I mean, you got Killia Jones, who's 6'10", Nick Richards, 6'11", Kevin Knox, 6'9", Tay Winyard, 6'10", uh, William Gabriel, 6'9", P.J. Washington, 6'7". So, it's... You don't really feel like there's a lot of height, but again, Ray Ray Spalding's what six ten six eleven, but his his length is seven, seven two seven three. Right. So maybe maybe that's where they're. I mean, I guess they do kind of say that because they said this is his longest team. But watch ha- having watched this team coming into both of our last game, I actually told you, man, I'm probably going to predict us to lose this game. And the way we came out and played the second, the pretty much the last two thirds of that Grand Canyon game, which again, Grand Canyon's not the greatest team on earth. I'm not saying they are, but to see the team react and the way we played and the way we took over and imposed our will, I don't know. I felt like I, I'm feeling a lot better going into the game. I mean, you have to feel better the way we ended that game. I'm never going to pick Kentucky to beat us. I do think we have. A tall task in front of us at Rupp Arena. Yeah, this is probably one of the hardest games to preview because both teams are as inconsistent as we've seen them in you know probably what, uh, three this four is years probably ever. That, right, that both teams. I mean, this is because you'll you'll come into. Let's just think back to like I said, the last time both teams weren't ranked was twenty fourteen. We were firing all cylinders right. really going into that game. They weren't. And going into the, I'm sorry, going into the tournament, we were we yeah. were playing well. They weren't. You don't really see this game normally where both teams are so inconsistent that it's tough to really say, okay, this team is better than the other one. I mean, the one thing you can say about Kentucky is they are inconsistent, but if you look at their schedule, they play to the level of their competition, which is a thing I felt Louisville did for the longest time. Oh, for sure. Um, but you really see that with Kentucky. I mean. Beating Harvard by what nine points, um, Utah Valley by ten, and I mean a ten point victory is not bad. It's a victory, but it's Utah Valley. Yeah, you know uh, Vermont by four. I mean that all, most all their games have been relatively close. They haven't had too many breakout games. Um, but then again, neither have we. And exactly, that's, and that's where it comes into both teams are so inconsistent because then you have them beating that Virginia Tech team, who we both at least I I, I think Virginia Tech's a very solid team. UCLA had they not had all their players kicked off or was a was a pretty good team. Uh, Kansas, I don't I mean I don't really know what we really have in Kansas, but then again we don't really know what we have in Purdue and Seton Hall either. So right. it's it's tough because we keep harping on it, but these teams are so inconsistent. This is probably one of the toughest times that like I could see us lose, but I could also see us win. Yeah. No, for sure. And and I, whereas sometimes you're like, I think we're gonna win, but in the back of your mind you're like, I don't really know. Yeah, 
Like, this game, I really feel like I could see us win by 10 or 15, and I could see us lose by 10 or 15. It's honestly what team is going to show up for either one, and it's such a – I hate being like that because this is a preview show, but it's like – well, it's it's so it, – this game is really tough to, to gauge. It, I agree, and that's what I was telling you before we started recording is I think a big key to us is going to be our bench, mostly Darius Perry. Yeah. We're gonna. Their guards are turnover prone, so we're gonna need our guys to get in and get at them. But like you were saying, we can't have Darius Perry just reaching in every time. You think Q's gonna get in foul trouble? And it, I pray to God that's not the case, because I think we need his his veteran leadership to get us through this game. What we up. need, what we need is last year Q in the Kentucky game is what we need. We need this last five game Q. No, we need last year UK game Q where he had twenty two six and five. Well, if we have that game with Q, we'll win. We will win this game going away. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. And I really want, and I, you've seen it more this year, but I really want to see BJ King just stay aggressive. To me, he is our he's, he's our, our X factor in every game. I, to me, I honestly think he's our best player, at least in the sense of. He has more potential than anybody else on this team, in my opinion. Maybe maybe Ray Spaulding is the only right. one that, that you could see. Because Ray Spaulding, if he gets that mid-range jump shot down, oh yeah. my God, yeah. that dude could be that dude could be an NBA All-Star with his length. And he he and has everything. impressed me so much this year. The jump he's made, I, I would not have expected it from him. Um, but no, he's definitely turned himself into uh, our go-to guy right now. So... Well, let's jump back into our top five. Again, we named we named our uh, honorable mentions. My number five was Montrez. Your number five was Reese Gaines. Reese Gaines. So then I'll go to my number four, Mister Mister Dunk on uh, what was it? Luke Herringody, Mister Big <laughs> Shot against Pittsburgh, Mister Baby Voice himself, Earl Clark. I loved Earl Clark. Another, he was another nice dude. I don't like when I met him. He was. Super nice, and the dude could ball. Yeah, God, the dude could ball. It's kind of disappointing the way his NBA career turned out, but yeah, he had a couple good years with the Lakers, and I think he played what one or two with the Cavs. Yeah, got a little bit out of him. So, now I love Earl Clark. He's a lot of fun to watch, unless you were at the uh, Michigan State game. And well, see, that was I, to be fair, that was that whole junior and senior class. To be honest with you, oh, I agree. And my number four is actually in that same game, and this is a guy who uh, anyone who's met him, they don't like him. Luckily, I've never met him, so I can put him in my top five. They always say don't meet your heroes. This yeah. is definitely true in this one. I have Terrence Williams. I can't, I can't stand that guy. He and that's is, why he didn't make any of my honorable mention or favorites. He, out of, my, out of all the players in my top five, he easily had the most talent at Louisville. He, it, it was unreal. Uh, he could do everything. Um. Didn't end on a very good note, but... Uh, I'm talking about the Michigan State game. It, yeah. That guy played even worse. Yeah. But then again, that was also during the time when a lot of people were rumoring that the the extortion case was coming out in the locker room, and they were arguing about it. We'll never know that for sure, but there was a lot of rumor going into... Patino got on Terrence Williams about something, and then he brought that up, and then it just... Because he didn't play in the pretty much the whole which, second half, didn't he? Right. Well, which, I mean, that goes into anyone who's met him doesn't like him. So I could easily see that. Yeah. I'm just grateful I didn't meet him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail. I mean, he didn't, like, punch me or nothing or beat me up. I just didn't like the way I felt his attitude was towards people that were around me. Right. And, he was a prima donna is what I've heard. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. You, 
yes, you are a very, very good player, and, and you're right, talent-wise. That dude could do it all outside of a consistent jump shot. I mean, he didn't have a consistent yeah, jump I, shot, but it was – I mean, it was formidable. It, it definitely got better through the years. Yes. Yeah. A lot better. To, I mean, to me, he could be like a Trevor Ariza in the NBA if he didn't if he didn't let his head get in the way. Because they're, to me, they're, they're very similar. Where Trevor Ariza shoots it better from the outside, I think he passes a little better. But I think he could have had that impact on a team like a Trevor Ariza and probably could have had that long of a career – had he not let his brain get in, let his head get in the way. I agree 100%. So, my number three, and I think he was in he was in your honorable mentions actually, was a dude that is one of those guys that it doesn't matter who you're a fan of, you like the guy. There's just certain players for certain teams that, like Teddy Bridgewater, you know, players like that that everybody likes. Because Unless you're Draymond Green. Draymond Green's someone that no one likes. <laughs> so, oh yeah, False. that's... So my number three is Gorgie Zhang. Having having a solid career with Minnesota, I kind of wish he would get traded because he's in a, you know, kind of they have a lot of players around him that I feel like he could go somewhere and and do very well. But I mean, just last year alone, he started all eighty two games for him, and he gets they get Taj Gibson, and there he is getting probably fifteen minutes a game at most now. Yeah, and but. I don't know. I, I love Gorgie. I think he had, he's always had a great attitude. He's never he's never been one to not listen. He took everything in stride, and I mean, got the most out of out of his career when he was here and won a championship. Yeah. No, I love Gorgie. I was telling you this is this list was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, just because I've had to toggle people, move people in and out so many times, and I still don't know that I'm satisfied with my list. And see, but. that's what I did. I know you got on me about my top ten NBA list. That's what, I did with, that's what I did with my top ten NBA list, outside of because I almost put Kobe at like dead last of all time, and and mm. like all time players, not just top ten all time no. players, just put him dead last. Five best players alive: Kobe, 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 and Kobe. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's a t- it's a tough thing to do these things because what you'll do is it's not just in this in every top five list that I've done. Someone will say something, you'll be like, "How did I forget that?" Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I forgot that person. Like, Taekwon Dean, like, he wouldn't have made my top five, but I, I added him to my honorable mention once you mentioned his name. So, so who is who is your number three? My number three is Russ Smith. Russ Smith. I, I love that guy. I mean, talk, <laughs> I don't know anyone who liked him his freshman year. I couldn't stand the kid. I didn't hate him. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So, that was his freshman year. His first game was the Kentucky game, which a lot of people don't remember that. But also, a lot of people didn't realize is he's coming off of a broken foot. Right. He's out there. He weighs like 40 pounds. He's in a T-shirt and his jersey, and he's just running all over the court. So, Smitty and, and Smitty and Ray and Joey were at the game sitting in a different area than me, thankfully, because I probably would have punched them. And Smitty told me after the game, like a couple years later, he was like, I can't lie to you, man. When I saw him playing, like, I made fun of him. Like, he, he literally, like, I was like, who is this dude on the yeah. court? And then the next year, he drops 30 on him in Rep Arena. It's the Duke and ball, and the Duke can play defense. And one thing you never had to ask for from him was effort. That dude was going to give 100% effort all the time. I agree 100%. He, uh, I, I mean, 
like Luke Hancock, he brought us a national championship. I know the Final Four and the championship game, he didn't play his best, but we no, didn't. He played, no, he played for, He played well in the Final Four game. He didn't play that well in the championship game. Right. We wouldn't have been anywhere near the Final Four without no. him. No, no not even close. close. Because it was literally the Russ Smith show, literally up until the championship game. And I honestly don't know that I've ever seen... Gorgie's a good one, but I don't know that I've ever seen a player progress from freshman year to senior year like Russ Smith. That's a good question. I, I mean, that I'll have to know over a little bit more. Uh, under Patino, that, at least. Under Patino. I mean, that's a... That's a I mean, for, they, he didn't stay all four years, but... One that both of us had on our list, Donovan Mitchell. Look at the look at the jump he made from his freshman to sophomore year, and Terry. It, it was a big jump from freshman to sophomore year, but I don't know that anybody saw his Donovan Mitchell's jumper getting that good over the summer to go to the NBA. No, that. I mean, there was. I actually read an article. I shared it from Bleacher Report, and he he left the Michigan game and told his parents, "I'm coming back." Yep. And his mom's like, ah, don't talk so... Don't Told the don't. media he was coming back. The Louisville media. Yeah, he, he says, you know, I'm coming back. I'm ready to win a championship next year. And he's on this team we win a championship. There's no doubt in my mind. If he's this on, year? If he, yeah, if he's on this team... With David Padgett as coach? Yeah, I still think we... Because his, his veteran leadership... I mean, if you think about the things that go wrong with this team, they don't go wrong with him on the team. We don't turn the ball over because he's a strong ball handler. We have good outside shooting. We have a go-to scorer. He's a great defender. I don't. He's on his team, more championship at least contender. Well, and see, that's I don't disagree with you at all. But I personally, before everything came out and Patino was gone, I personally thought we were a championship level team oh, so without Brian Bowen. Even so did I. So did I. Um, but definitely with Brian Bowen, we still have the talent to do it. It's just whether it's whether Paget figures it out and the team stays more consistent, which I think kind of goes along with the pageant figuring it out. And, and and that's, I don't want to say hot take, more of a lukewarm take, I guess. I love David Paget. I don't think any of this is his fault. Oh, no, not um, at all. But I don't know that I want to see him as the head coach beyond this year. Not yet. I think it's a little too early. This this was something that was actually brought up on the on my ride over here. I was listening to Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. And Mark Ennis threw out this, I guess you could say it's a hot take, and it made me think. And I actually was like, oh, I need to ask you know, Tony what he thinks about this. He says, if David Padgett goes into Rupp Arena and beats Kentucky, there's going to be a lot of people that say we need to hire him as our coach. I believe that there will be a lot of people that say that. I will be one that says, let's wait and see. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm okay with, I'm okay with this year. I'm possibly okay with next year until we figure out what all the NCAA is going to hang on us and what they're. It's going to be hard to find a top level coach when we're in so much uncertainty right now. See, I, I think we let him go this year. Keep him. If he, if we, I'm saying we let him, we let him coach this year. If he, if he keeps, because I, I do think he's improving. Like I, I do see moves that he's making now that he wasn't making at the beginning of the season. Right, and. One thing I do like about him that I always was really pissed off about with Patino was he has a longer leash with players. It, it you'd never see how good Darius Perry was going to be. Um, no, Darius Perry is one that I think we would. Noir we wouldn't because Darius Perry plays defense. Noir really is. He's kind of he's kind of right there. We would never. Malik Williams wouldn't even be sitting on the bench. He would. That's how far away from the court he would be. I don't. 
I don't know that I'd be overly mad about Malik not seeing a whole lot of time. See, I think Malik could be a really big key for us this year. He could, and that's getting him in early could be real big for him. I just, and again, Derby City Classic, we saw this. I don't understand how he's that tall and is so scared to go anywhere near the basket. Yeah. He will not step foot in the three-point line on offense. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get that from him either. It ended up helping us in the in, in the Indiana game. But it's one of those things where it's like, hey, thank you for doing that, but don't do it again. I don't, I don't know if I really want that to keep happening. Yeah. And you know, I looked at this and I saw. I mean, he's shooting for a big man. He's shooting thirty-two percent from the three-point line, which is a lot better than what I thought it would be. Because I feel like he airballs all of them except for those three in the Indiana game. But yeah. he's six for nineteen from the three-point line, and I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of variables in this game that. Could go either way. I told you I think we could win by 15 or lose by 15. And I'm sure Kentucky fans are saying the same thing. It's There's so many things in this that that just it makes you scratch your head and wonder which way is this game going to go. But one, one thing that I think we both kind of, at least, I mean, I pointed it out and you were like, hey, that's a pretty good point. And, I, you know, I've heard other people mention it. I mean, we both know Q's been playing a lot better over the past five games. Past five or six games. Right. I say it's because we have uh, Ryan McMahon back. Ryan McMahon, if you look at his stats, they're pedestrian at best. But just the fact that you have another experienced player on the floor, you get Q off the court. I mean, before before he came back, Q was averaging 37, 38 minutes a game. And it was showing. He's playing awful. He was playing worse than probably anybody. Actually, not probably. He was, out of everybody we had back, he was playing the worst. And, and I mean, honestly, Ryan McMahon's not a world beater. No, he's not. But, but if you look at his stats, in five games, he's got eight steals, ten assists. You know, eight, he's doing more than what we knew him to just be a shooter. And he's maybe six foot tall. Right. And he's he's he, rebounding that well. He's for not going to hurt you. He's going to get in there. He's going to give you 110%. And he's he's not he's gonna get beat sometimes. Oh yeah, but you're but not gonna miss out. With he him. he makes the plays that maybe Q wasn't making because he was tired or and I don't know it's not really an excuse but it it makes sense. But I mean I the the play that I mentioned when he came in in the Indiana game and he throws two straight lobs in a row that have been there all season that Q haven't Q hasn't been seeing. Yeah, and you know you're playing 38 minutes. I'm attributing, I'm attributing it to him being tired. I really don't want to think it's Q saying, I can do whatever I want and I, I'm not going to come out because I don't think he's that type of player. I, yeah, no, I don't think that's it at all. Um, it, and I didn't realize how many minutes he was averaging. I see what he's averaging now, which is, what, 32.3. And I figured, you know, that's probably where he's been for about the year. But it makes a lot more sense when you think about Ryan Man just coming back. And he was averaging, what did you say before? 40, about, 30, about 37, 38 minutes 30, a game out right. of 40. I mean, he was literally coming out before TV timeouts, sitting and then coming back as as we came back. And yeah. it's like, dude, and the same thing with Dang. I mean, Dang's minutes have gone down too because now we're getting McMahon. He's not only having, he's not only playing the one because then you can throw Darius and McMahon in there. When Darius and McMahon are in there at the same time, it's like the Bash Brothers on the, on the Mighty Ducks, man. <laughs> they literally they literally wreak havoc as soon as they come in. Yeah, because you have Darius that can get. Pretty much past anybody. Did, did I mean, he doesn't shoot it as well, but does Darius kind of remind you of Russ? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just got that smaller, 
New Real York feisty, State, yeah. New York style guard yeah. that is just going to get in you the whole time. He's farther along than Russ in Russ's freshman year. Yeah, but again, but again, we he was coming off a broken foot, and I'll say this: he passes the ball, he passes the ball yeah. more and better than what Russ did. But Russ scored a lot better than him. But just their stature, the way they play, a lot of a lot of the ways they remind me of each other, and. I don't I, like. I just I love those two together, and that's why I I, I like I told you I, before. Then I don't know, man. I wasn't I wasn't really sold on. So I'm still not sold on us as like being done or anything like that. But I think we could be we could be a good team, and a game like this is one of those games that will springboard you into maybe becoming the team that you should be. Yeah, no, and we talked about how neither team has a signature win. Well, one of us will after Friday. For sure. Um, this this could be huge for us, especially going into Rupp. If, if we can beat Kentucky at Rupp, I don't care if they're 16-6 or unranked. If you can beat Kentucky at Rupp Arena, you can beat just about anybody anywhere, so with the exception of Cameron Indoor, maybe. So here's my question. I, I think I know what you're going to say. Who needs this win more? Oh, we need this one more for sure. I think. See here, here's why. Here's why I disagree with you. I think. I think we both need it. Kentucky has a better win right now, but if Kentucky doesn't beat us, their schedule's not really that great. I mean, I know they have Tennessee and A and M, but I mean, we have Duke, North Carolina, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech. We Florida literally, State. they're yeah. they're yeah, Florida State. Their best win is our worst, one of our worst hired to caliber games left on the schedule. Yeah. So we have so many more chances of getting that signature win, where we we want to win this game more. We want to beat any of those other teams left on the schedule. But and, and well, here's why I say we need it more. For not just for our program or our players or our team, but for our fans, for our with everything going on now. You made, brought up a good point earlier, and I've heard it echoed this past couple weeks. We have no pressure on us. We don't. Yeah. I mean, we're not expected to win. We've got a new coach. Yeah. If we lose, okay, we should have lost. Yeah. Um, so I do think that can help us going into it. But I think, I think our program, our fans, we need a win like this. And I get that we have more chances to make up for it, but... I mean, Kentucky's going to ride on their name alone, honestly. They're, they're not going to struggle too much because what they're going to do is they're going to blow through the uh, the uh, SEC, and they're going to go in a top-four seed. We're going we're gonna to get challenged a lot. We need oh, all the yeah. quality wins outside the ACC we can get so we can stay in a 7-8, 6-5 range. Yeah, I, like I said, I think if whoever gets this win is going to springboard themselves to having that type of season – and now, if it comes down to a close game, and I, I I'm not the moral victory guy because I hate losing, right? And you know that because I beat you in Madden all the time. So, and I know how, I know False. how mad you get when I do that. So I have video evidence of that. I've so, got the overall win record. You no, know, that's not true. That's a, that's a, four to three. That's nope. a it's four to three. another time. But neither one of us like to lose. And I'm not saying that, and I'm not a moral victory guy, but if it comes down to we're right there and we think maybe some calls didn't go our way or something like that and we still have a chance to win and we just miss a shot or something, that's still going to springboard us because you go into a hostile environment and you play the best that you can play and you don't make bonehead mistakes and the team's just burying you that day. 
that can yeah. definitely help you as a team. And so we let's go back to let's go back to our list here. We'll name we'll name our number two. And my number two has already been mentioned on your list. He was your number five, and I so I won't really talk that much about him. But Reese Gaines, I love that dude. He was all right. He was yeah. He was all right. Yeah. Uh, well, my number two is Tyquan Dean. I know he was in your honorable mentions, and he's probably the one that I struggled with the most because I I loved Tyquan Dean when he was here until Peyton Siva came, and he was my favorite man. I love Tyquan Dean, but now I'm wondering, you know. Would I really not put Montrez Harrell, Donovan Mitchell, somebody in over him? I just I can't because it's the nostalgia of him. Yeah, but well, see, my number one has been the same since I've been a little kid. He's always been my favorite player, and that, I mean I'm going to it in a minute, but because yeah. we'll name our number one in a minute, but because I always name my number one after I do my beef, and my beef, man, I was struggling. I told you, like sometimes I'll sit here right before a podcast and I'll think of something. And then I'll then I'll throw my beef. But before we even go into that, let's do our score predictions for the game. Hoo-hoo. So Kentucky averages eighty one. We average seventy nine. They average giving up seventy one points a game. Let's get let's get your score prediction. What do you, what do you think it's going to be? It, tell me how you think the game's going to go. The best the best that you can. And tell me what you think the okay. score's going to be. I think that. If I was a bet man, I do not know that I would pick Louisville, but I will never pick against him. I'm going to go fast-paced game. Hopefully Louisville can just – hopefully they can catch fire in this game. I'm looking to see Quentin Snyder, <clears throat> Quentin Snyder keep up what he's been doing. I want to see Ray Spalding definitely keep up what he's doing. Like I said, I want to see VJ King just stay aggressive. I don't care if he misses – I don't care if he goes three for 20. Yeah. I want him to stay aggressive. Um, like I said, when when the ball's in his hands and he's looking to score, you're he's, not. Gonna, he's at least getting to the foul, right? Um, I think a, a key factor is going to be Darius Pair, our bench overall, but Darius Pair I think is going to be a, a key to winning this game. I'm going to go 74-71 Louisville. Okay, we're gonna have pretty close, pretty close predictions. Um, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say. I think Darius Perry is going to have a big impact in this game because, like you said, their their guards are also turnover prone, and we need somebody that can get into them, get into them, and get in their chest and get into them early, especially with them being so young. That is one thing that I do think going into this game is definitely on our side is the veteran the veteran leadership that we have. So my X factor is actually going to be Jordan Nawara. I think Jordan Nawara is going to we're we're gonna have somebody I mean, our big men seemingly always get in foul trouble. But Jordan Nawara and Dwayne Sutton to me are two big big players that come off the bench, obviously Darius and McMahon. But that's where I think we, we beat them, like you said, is off the bench. And I feel like Nawara is gonna come off the bench and hit a couple big threes. And Kentucky fans are gonna be like, Who is who yeah. is this? How do you even say his last name? That's what they're. That's what they're gonna do. Is this Jared Swapshire again with a mohawk? Because that's kind of what he looks like. And that I feel like he is going to go into Rupp Arena because one thing we have always noticed when Patino was here, and you just hinted towards, or you mentioned me talking about it, how much pressure he put on our team, and he said that this was just another game. 
Yeah. He knew just like we know, it's not just another game. This game, we want to beat more than anybody else yeah. we have on our schedule. Um, and it's just the way it is. I mean, Kentucky could be playing Satan's team and we'd still choose. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'm just hoping play, the because they play Duke every once in a while. So yeah, they do play. I'm just hoping corrupt arena would implode. Yeah, so I'm going to go a very similar to yours. Um, I think Noir plays well. I think Q like keeps his keeps his good games going. I think Ding has nine or ten. I think VJ has nine or ten. I think Darius gets a gets a couple of good stops. I think McMahon's shot start finally starts falling. He's a double-digit scorer for us in this game. And I think our big men pretty much wash each other. I, I do. I think they pretty much wash each other. Do you and think we average, we get to our season average on blocks in this game? Yes, I do. I think we get, but I also think that one of our big men foul out. I okay. do. I think we'll, I think, uh, I think Ray will actually foul out. Okay. Because I think Ray, with the mentality he's been having, which I'm not mad at his mentality, is he's been playing a lot tougher. And I think this game, him being a Louisville boy, is going to get into his head a little bit too much, and I think it's gonna. I think he's going to end up fouling out. So I don't think either one of us get our season average. Like you said, I think I think it is a close game, and the cards pull it out, seventy-eight, seventy-three, in Rupp Arena, which I don't think either one of us will be upset with that. No. Uh, but with that prediction, it leads me into my beef. And I've actually, I'm surprised it took me so long to even think of this, because I had another one and I was like, nah. Like once I saw, once I looked up just something else about it, I was like, how the heck did I not even think of this from the beginning? Because when I saw this on our schedule, I was, I was very perturbed. My beef this week is the fact that this game is at 1 p.m. on December 29th, a Friday. No, I mean, I know you work third shift and you're off this week, so it doesn't bother you. Let's say you work first shift and you're not off. It don't piss you off, dude. I had to do it last year, so it's your all's turn this year. I'm okay with it. No, at last, <laughs> last year, see, that's the thing. Like, why not have this game at like six or, or seven? You know, we are, I don't care what anybody says, we are the best college basketball rivalry there is. Well, it's not just basketball, though. You got to think the bowl games that are coming on afterwards, too. And, you know, football's king, but. We're playing on CBS. CBS has a bowl game right after us, I believe. Now, is it a Louisville-Kentucky rivalry type no, game? No, it's not. It's not. And that's what I'm saying. We have the best college basketball rivalry because you can say what you want about Duke, North Carolina. It's watered down. They play three times a year. Yeah, I agree. And is it still a great rivalry? Yeah, but it's second to ours. And I don't care if people say that we're biased for saying that. There's not. It's there's not. I mean, we're the Alabama-Auburn of college basketball. It's just a fact. And they're in the same conference too, but. It doesn't matter. The hatred's still there. So that's my that's my beef. The fact that this game is at one p.m. on a Friday, and we're probably we're not probably we are the best college basketball rivalry there is. This should be prime time, like every Duke North Carolina game is. It's always college game day. It's always talked about all week, and they play freaking three times a year. Yeah, I I miss I don't I mean at least we're back on CBS this year instead of ESPN. Was it ESPN ESPN two last it year? It was ESPN last year. Uh, but I just I don't understand why we can't go back to how every it was a Saturday, was. New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, whichever it landed well, on. See, usually. it used to be uh, mid December because the Patrick Sparks game was actually on my birthday. That was a great game. It was not a no, great. It was game. not. It's not. So that's my beef. So after our beef, we'll go into our number one. 
I'll let you name your number one, and then I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll let you talk about it for a little bit because I know you're probably going to fall in love again. I am, and I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Peyton Siva, that is my number one. He was about what five foot one, five foot one. <laughs> Kid could jump out the gym, and he, off the court, he was just an overall good kid. From everything you heard, I've never heard a bad thing about him. You know, he's humble, hungry, and he got it done. Greatest, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in Louisville history. That alley oop to Montrez that I have no idea how Trez but caught. That, yeah, that was more Montrez catching that I, than it was Siva. I mean, I just remember watching that. And I, I was, was screaming. I was at work at UPS, and I think you stayed home and yeah. watched the whole game at home. And I'm sitting there watching, and I and I literally said this out loud. I said, "Who is he throwing that? Oh my God!" I said the same thing. <laughs> Who is he throwing? My Lord! It's yeah. kind of like when Sosa hit the three against Kentucky. You're like, "What are you doing?" Oh yes, good shot. No. Sosa, I don't I don't know who he is. Sosa, Sosa hit the big shot against Kentucky. You gotta love him for that. I, I loved him after he left Louisville. That's. I don't know. That's that's one that probably Kentucky fans hate just because yeah. of that game. But are you done? Are you done swooning over over Peyton Siva? Yeah, I won't. I won't go too deep into this. This could be a whole other podcast. Because I'll go deep into my number one. Go and, for it. And he's he's been my favorite since I was a little kid because he gave. Even though I'm not near as athletic as him, nowhere near. <laughs> but he gives little guys hope because the dude could ball. He balled on every team we played. The Duke could score, he could pass, and he wore the wristbands on his wrist, too. I mean, he was just – and he could dunk, and he's from Louisville. I mean, there's there's not – if I would have been alive in the early 80s, I'd, it would be Daryl Griffith probably because it's the same way. I mean, the dude, and the dude went bald in the NBA. But it's DeWan Wheat, man. DeWan Wheat was that guy. I thought you were talking about David Lovitch. David Lovitch. David, yeah, white crime. <laughs> white that's crime. White crime. That's – that is some guy. That is one guy that I miss. is white crime, because I miss you on that every time he made a good play, which was like once every three or four <laughs> right. games. But Dewan Wheat, man, just big shot after big shot was. God, he was just so solid, man, and could shoot it from anywhere. Could get to the bucket. So many people our age, man, and I mean, even including you, just don't really know how good that guy was because. Either A, they weren't really watching it yet, or B, they just have never gone back and looked. That, that dude could freaking ball. And he played at Ballard, man. That's, I don't like anybody from Ballard, except for Quentin Snyder because he's yeah. on the team right now. And, I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like Allen Houston? Eastern. That's a rivalry. I don't know who they are. That's a rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Tony, thank you, sir, for coming on. I no think, problem. I appreciate you know, I it. I think it's... This is definitely the first one of many. You know, we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely get some more and get some NBA talks here once the uh, once the college football season comes up. And I'm all about that. So, <clears throat> guys, keep keep doing what you're doing, and I'll keep I'll keep bringing these out, keep sharing them, keep liking it, everything like that. Um, I'm gonna do a Facebook live tomorrow. Uh, I guess I need to think of something to talk about because I don't know really what top five I can go with tomorrow. Uh, but I'll look at something and I'll put something out on the page tonight about maybe what we'll do or maybe I'll just do like I did last week and just uh, go on there and just talk and see what you guys want to talk about. So keep liking, keep sharing. This is Beef's Beef, episode 12. Y'all have a good one.